Welcome to episode 127 of the Men Who Save Football, the Dundalk FC fancast. This is a post-match reaction to one of the more dramatic and peculiar games that we've had in recent times. We saw a first half where Dundalk seemed to be back to their best. Patrick Hoban's return had everything moving in the right direction. Patrick contributed a goal and assist in the first half. All seemed to be going well. Very much a Jekyll and Hyde performance. The second half told a different story. Lads, how do we make sense of that performance? I'm not sure we can make sense of it, but we can uh, try and, you know, uh, I actually have to say try and explain it. I don't think I can explain it either. Um, It was very entertaining, I'd say, if you aren't emotionally invested, but it was genuinely one of the most draining experiences. I mean, the dark uh, matches lately have been draining in another way, sort of a, you know, deflating battery type thing. This was draining on an emotional level. And it is, you know, almost like this macrocosm of everything that is great about Dundalk and everything that is very bad about Dundalk. You had it all. In fact, if we want to make sense of Dundalk FC as a team this season, maybe it is contained within those 90 minutes. But it was um, it was mad. I mean, the start, I mean, I, the first 15 minutes were just dire. Uh, absolutely. Like, you know, it just, I mean, I thought Drogheda were on the front foot and they, they seemed more up for it, definitely. And they definitely, you know, um, had, had the momentum with them. And I think it was like 15 or 16 minutes in, they should have scored. Uh, the D- Dara Markey chance I mean that should have been a goal one thing I would say is that he should have done better Markey should have done better but it's also it's a great save by Nathan Shepard which also has to be said you know because um, you, I mean, you can only save what's fired at you and yeah a striker from that close should have done better but I thought Nathan once again pulled out an amazing amazing save um, so Rada should have been up but weren't and I would say you know it would have been against the run of play or for the run of play because I don't think there was a run of play at this stage it was pretty dire stuff from both sides. I think it was two bad teams playing against each other. But um, eventually, Dundalk may, made a breakthrough. And, like, we haven't seen much of this type of thing uh, recently, so it was kind of alien territory. Um, but uh, two really good goals then, you know, uh, in, in the in the first half. Uh, so O'Kane's goal, and it's all down to one thing, I would say. We're huge fans, and we're constantly going on with the, the cult of Pat Hoban. But Pat Hoban starting, I don't think it was any, you know, surprise that we went into the into halftime two up. Genuinely, it just goes to show how important he is because we've looked pretty lifeless for the last, you know, few weeks. It's been a long time since we've won a game. And it's been a long time since we've looked like winning a game. But we started Pat Hoban. I mean, Pat Hoban has made appearances in recent times. And every time he's come on, we've looked better. We start him and we're 2 0 up going into half time. So he had the assist for the first goal, and it was a beautiful ball by him. A great finish by, by, by Ryan. And then he pops up a little bit later uh, for a goal and, uh, and a great, great classic Pat Hogan goal. It just smashed it, right place, right time. So the assist, the goal, and everything is going right. And it's, I mean, I before the game, I thought we were going to win. I had this real feeling just. Nothing to it, logic. I just had this emotional feeling we were going to win. And in half time, I was like, yay, it's all going to plan. And then the second half was just, I don't know how you make sense of it, but it's kind of crazy that we can go out there in the second half and within five minutes, the opposition are reduced to 10 men. Now, as we saw last week, playing against an opposition of 10 men means nothing when you're Dundalk FC. Remember last week we were saying you wouldn't tell that Shells had 10 men. Well, you could in a way because of the dominance in our um, uh, possession. So even though Shells were better than us, we even when they had 10 men, the possession showed that we had an extra man. Genuinely, and Deegan is so influential uh, for Drogheda. And honestly, you would not know from that point on that they had, hey, that we had an extra man. What a crazy situation to be in. To be 2-0 up, and one of their best, most influential, aggressive players goes off, and you proceed to concede two goals. Uh, madness. And both goals are just classic, I think, Dundalk FC um, uh, opposition goals, uh, in that they were both completely uh, unnecessary, uh, based on mistakes. And the second one, especially, we don't like to, you know, single out players and stuff like this and uh, you know thinking of this but that is just a really really bad mistake by Muller. Um 
And it was kind of it's the it's the inverse of the goal we scored against you know Derry a few weeks ago. Uh, one of them was finally it was got against us, but to be two 0 down and then we just played awfully, absolutely awfully. And maybe we'll come back to this in a bit about you know what the game meant and stuff. Yes, but before the before the, uh, the 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 winning goal, I genuinely was in a dark dark place philosophically, emotionally, and spiritually. <laughs> I just thought this season is going to be really, really, really bad. Because it's one thing, I think, to give away a draw, to give away a draw when you're to give it when you're two 0 up, to give away the lead, and against ten men, and it's Drogheda, and we haven't won in a long, long time. And I saw a stat: we were looking at we were looking down the barrel of our worst sequence of games since two thousand and twelve. And I was just, I had the thousand yard stare. I was staring right into the void. And then injury time, goal, everything's great. Smash into the net, lovely work, goal. I think Archie Davis was brilliant for it. Uh, and um, uh, John Martin got a really nice finish. And, you know, you beat your rivals, you finally win a game and everything's good again. And that cloud of despair evaporated until I woke up this morning and it started to, you know, come back again. But what a game. Yeah, well, let me talk about the, the Drada goals for a minute in particular, because I think, well, more so even than just the goals, but I think also the Darren Markey chance that uh, that Rory talked about as well. And I think it was so uh, indicative of so many of the sort of performances and difficulties that we faced and the reasons that we've conceded goals lately, right? Starting with the, the Markey chance, uh, I think Connor Malley has his pocket picked like 30 yards from goal, even though we have, you know, I think four or five defenders between, you know, sort of the, the goal and I think Freddie Draper who picks it up from there. And the Dundalk defence are so square, right? The, there's three of them in a line, I think, like Davies, Muller, Leahy across there. And like neither of them go towards, uh, sorry, none of them go towards um, Draper who has the ball. None of them follow the run of Markey either. Right. And so they're just standing there in a line, absolute passengers as the ball is passed past them. Right. And I was sure that was going to end up in the back of that net. I thought like one nil to draw it. Here we go. Like it's going to be, you know, frustration all evening long. And only an incredible save from from Shepard really kept that out. And I think the second goal, oh, sorry, the 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 first draw to goal, the, the second chance. Right. I think, as Rory said, they've just been reduced to 10 men. You think, you know, here we go. Cruise control. Like we'll see this game out. Everything's going to be grand. And once again, we lose the ball, this time about like 40, 45 yards from goal. But like there's an incredible moment where I think it's Hayden Muller just kicks the ball up in the air, right? Just straight up in the air. There's no like logic behind this clearance, like doesn't put that out over a touchline. Doesn't even really have to kick the ball up in the air. It's one of those they can probably take a touch, but it's just like a mad moment of just hoofing it into the air. And I'm sure at the time it sort of made sense, but it's one of those things you look back on. And you look at this moment in the game and you just say, like, why has he done that? It, it defies logic at the, at the time. But somebody wins a header and all of a sudden our defense caught completely square again. Right, Three defenders just absolutely watching the ball sort of sail over their heads. And I think Yuli Coco is the, uh, the man who goes with Freddie Draper. But like when you talk about a mismatch in physique, <laughs> I think Yuli Coco tries to like claim a free kick and stuff like that. But Draper just eases him out of the way like he's not there and the ball's in the back of the net. And then I think the, the third goal isn't quite the same as, sorry, the, the second draw to goal isn't quite the same as that, right? In that uh, the defense aren't caught quite as square, but still we're losing the ball like 50 yards from goal in this case, but through a horrendous mistake. And at that stage of the game, like you wonder why are we playing that high risk kind of football, right? Why is Muller there? Not just thinking like I can kick this into the stand and it doesn't matter, right? We're winning this game against 10 men, who cares? Instead, like he sort of tries to, to take on Draper in this sort of one-on-one -on -one and loses out. And it's just like, it, that was head in the hands for me, right? I mean, just like, it was watching this in the on the kitchen table uh, in my house. I just put my head on the table and just stared into the wood for about 30 seconds afterwards, right? It was just one of those things that like, again, I'm sure Skip must be tearing his hair out because you can work on, you know, all of the tactics and stuff like that, that you want in training. But occasionally in the games, so it's just decision-making like this. And when people make those kind of decisions, right, there's nothing you can do as an observer or a coach or anybody who's not on that field, right? You just have to have to watch. And uh, so, like, I, I think all of those sort of remind me so much of the other goals that we've conceded lately, right? If we look at the goal that we conceded, uh, particularly against Sligo, right? 
caught in possession again, you know, 25 yards from goal, all of a sudden, blam, the ball's in the back of the net. And we just seem to have that perpetual problem of people just decision-making, right? Not knowing when it's time to just, you know, knock it long up the field or just get rid of it and not knowing when to take a touch, you know, and, uh, and try and be more progressive. And I understand that, like, some of the team are, you know, fairly young and there's a group of players, right? They're still sort of getting to know one another and things like that. But, you know, it's very hard to watch us be so good at times, right? We have a lot of possession. We had a lot of possession last night and then lots of the other games as well. We've had so much possession. But just that decision-making, right? Just letting things down again. And I think the, the commentary team, I think David McMillan as well, also called out, you know, sort of Tulloch, that again did some incredible things, you know, really beating his man down the right-hand side. And then instead of, you know, picking a pass or you know, sort of uh, doing something more ordinary, tries, you know, an extra trick or something like that, and gives the defender another chance and the ball's you know, sort of gone out over the line. I think that just that individual decision-making at the moment, right, just have to work on that to try and solve some of these problems. And I think, as a, you know, if we get all of those things right, be a lot more effective in the long run. But again, it was a night where we look at the, the team sheet when it comes out, and we all looked at the midfield and said, wow, that is not a midfield that has very much physicality in there, right? I think there was a lot of players... Uh, who you would definitely class as, you know, sort of small or lightweight. Uh, and really only Patrick Huben, I think, was the the one person that lined up, you would say, like had a degree of physicality about him, like outside of the defense. And uh, that was an initial worry. But also, I think another three under-19s on the bench, two goalkeepers, right, this kind of thing. We're still in that phase, right, where we're missing so many first-team players. I think, despite all the problems, I think a win is a win. And given those starting conditions, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I think I think I'll keep it brief here because there's not really much more to say <clears throat> um, than what Rory and Martin have already said. But it was just it's one of those games where you kind of you're in disbelief after you know that you're there in ten men and it's two all and you're sitting there you know going like what has just happened or what am I just watching or how many football games is on tonight or I tune into a different one because like to be so dominant in the first half you know against you know against eleven men and then to for them to go down to 10 and then to go to lose two goals, you, you never in your wildest dreams you envisage that that's going to happen. So, Martin, I think you definitely nailed on the head. I think, like, when you said, like, about seeing the game out comfortably, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you're making those errors, the zero need to make those errors. And I think that, and I'm a big fan of the way, you know, I am of Steve, Stevie's philosophy in, in football in terms of you practice to play football and to play attacking football. But I think that we need to understand that we can play attacking football and that when we are 2 nil up, no matter whether it's against 11 men or 10 men, that we need to practice seeing, not so much seeing games out like parking the bus, but seeing games out which is stretching the opposition, you know, play them around the, the, the park, you know, and if, if there's not an easy pass, I'll just hoof it out, do something with it. So it was really, really frustrating um, to, to, to see that uh, last night. And I suppose, yeah, like what Dave McMillan called it last night about, you know, Tullock down, down the left-hand side. I think Tullock was just, he's young, and I think he was just really, really frustrated because like, I, there's not there's not many defenders who have kind of really put it up to him in, in the league this year. And I think that um, the defender last night for, for, for Drata was exceptional. I think he was able to deal with him, and then they were able to double up on him. And I think he just got frustrated and he just wanted to prove that he had the better of them. And in doing so, wasn't taking, you know, the easy pass for that uh, like, like how we reacted to how we reacted when they went down to 10 men I just thought was just unforgivable it really really was which kind of leaves you with that really strange feeling when you wake up this morning because a win is a, it's a brilliant win a draw would have felt like a complete another like loss last night but even that win I don't know for me it just didn't sit like a win even though it is a win I don't mean to be you know I know it sounds greedy and that kind of stuff but it's not it, it just is the manner in, in the way we went and we've given out loads about the referee on referees <clears throat> this season. I thought he was pretty decent last night. I, I thought he was good. I, I think that was a really tough call to make to, to send Egan off uh, for, for Drada. But there were two clear yellow cards. And how many times do you see you know referees shying away from that second red, red, um, yellow card because they know he's on a he's on the yellow? But there were two clear um, yellow cards. Um, and I think that the the, uh, the commentary team last night I think they analyzed it quite well and they just said yeah I think they kind of they thought it was two yellow cards so I thought that the ref was actually quite good good last night um yeah we just need to be able to see these games out we just need to be able to you know you know go up um go goal up get more comfortable in and how we're how we distribute the ball try and get eliminate those silly silly mistakes that we seem to keep making 
I was chatting to someone in the town uh, this morning and I was just saying, like, how many goals have we actually conceded from play? How many, like, how many goals have we conceded from, from, from proper good opposition attacking? And how many have we just handed up? How many have we just let, you know, just give to the opposition through silly mistakes or, you know, been flat at the back or, you know, just been caught for pace? So I don't know. I, it's it's definitely one of those seasons. It's last night I was just thinking that when we was two two all. I don't know. It's, you, you look at live score. You look at the tables. You go, mm, I wonder how the rest of the results now. What what will that do to us? And last night I was like, what is the point? And it's been early in the season not to be looking at live score to you know to do the the football fantasy. Oh, maybe if they scored a late one, this would do this and this would do that. And it's really early in the season to be kind of going. That doesn't really matter. We're still going to be sitting in seventh or sixth or something like that. So or eighth, you know. But anyway. Onwards and upwards. Hopefully, on Monday night we can, we can, we can bring that you know that bit of buzz that you could clearly see was in the squad and in the team after we picked up the three points and go against a very tough you know UCD. Gentlemen, I'm going to try and accentuate the positive for a start. That was entertaining. In fact, I would be perfectly content if the game was less entertaining. We made it more entertaining than it needed to be. But that did bring a certain drama to the occasion. It certainly wasn't boring, and I'm sure the neutrals enjoyed it that being said as cliche that it's a game of two halves every game is a game of two halves but that was particularly Jekyll and Hyde if we focus on the positives for a moment now we are in the midst of a injury crisis after a run of defeats and then a couple of draws um we're missing big players we had a makeshift defense we had a makeshift midfield a new one an alignment that we never saw before and an interesting new role for Connor Malley who I've always thought of as a very attacking progressive player he was actually our central defensive midfielder he seemed to be the one that was deepest of the central trio another new person being tried out in what we might still call the Chris Shields role and it's interesting to talk about how he performed in that role Martin already mentioned how you know the, the Daramarki chance comes kind of from that position where Mali is, is is has his pocket picked and suddenly they're bearing down a goal and really should have scored Really, really great shepherd save in that opening moments when Drogheda were in the ascendancy. But the rest of this first half was very much Dundalk beginning to click back into the type of football that we like to see them play. Our fullbacks were getting advanced. I thought Archie Davis was particularly good. Robbie Benson, again, proven that he's a sort of play anywhere player. And even at left back, he can be quite a potent attacking force. Once we kind of got ahead, and even before the Ryan O'Kane goal, um, which was another positive because Ryan hasn't been on the score sheet for a while. And it seemed that that goal was perfectly set up for him. Again, Patrick Hoban's at the center of that. But we had had a period of possession. We were beginning to control the play. We were moving Drahada around. Hoban gives one of these kind of trademark slide rule pass assists. We've seen Daniel Kelly score that type of goal that Ryan O'Kane scored a lot. When you get either of those two wide players in a foot race with defenders, they're usually quicker. What's noticeable about Ryan is he just finishes with one touch. He doesn't need to take a touch to control. and then So it's a really, really neat finish. And I think Ryan can really benefit from that because we, we saw him become more energized and more influential in the game. And then in the second half, I think the change was probably merited because he had expended quite a bit of energy and we have to remember that Ryan is still a young player, but it was good to see him getting the score sheet because we know that he can do that. And we'd like to see him do a little bit more of that, but Patrick Hoban's presence immediately obvious. It's him that creates the assist, which unlocks the draw the defense, the type of ball, the type of pass that we haven't seen for a while. And after that, then we begin to become more comfortable. They Keith Ward's at, Cheeky chip over the Drogheda defence with Ely Coco running through, who I thought was having quite a constructive game. Leads to the second goal. Patrick Oban again showing that he's probably the best finisher in the league. Snapshot finish. Treads it through two defenders. Everything's looking hunky-dory. It's interesting to look at Gary Deegan. I think he's been really influential for Drogheda. I thought he was really noticeable presence when he played for Shelburne in their season in the Premier Division. He is the type of player I think we are missing. I think we do not have one of those naturally instinctive, rough, tough, hard tackling, good organizing, efficient and unglamorous passers of the ball in the Chris Shield mold. I think if I, I tell you this, it perhaps is a little bit um, of a shame that when Deegan moved from Shelburne to Drogheda, he didn't come a little bit further up the M1 and end up with us because I think he would be a good fit for that role. 
we don't seem to have anybody who can settle into central defensive midfield. When Deegan goes, and I think it's it's justifiable that he has earned himself two yellows there, you presume we're just going to kind of manage the game. But this is where this fragility comes in. Now, in the first half, I was thinking when we were talking about this, I was going to comment on the composure of our defence. Had Dara Leahy moved inside, is really calm and constructive on the ball. It, I, I've been impressed by his performances. And I was going to... I've also praised Aidan Muller. I thought that he was a really strong and stable presence in the, in the defensive line, either at right back or centre half as well. And I even complimented his no-nonsense approach. I think generally the defence performed quite well. I thought Archie Davis was particularly good and he's essential to the actual scoring of that final goal. But these individual isolated moments of madness, these two mistakes, perhaps they're what you get with young and inexperienced players or perhaps they're just anomalies they did seem to gift Drahada two goals like we make two mistakes we pay the absolute maximum penalty you know you've been pulled out of shape when Yuli Coco is in the centre half position against a cart horse centre forward it just eases him out of the way so we did lose our shape for those but generally they were like they seemed to come from nothing and this is probably the frustrating element Usually when a team is, you know, more established, more fluid, more free-flowing, has a better understanding with one another, they uh, they don't give up those errors. Those errors were a little bit what you might see towards the latter stages of an AstroTurf five-a-side game. How do you kind of account for that sort of slippage? Because we've seen it a few times. I mean, is this just a natural consequence of asking a lot of, relatively inexperienced players to play a lot of minutes or is there something else which is contributing to this porousness of the defense particularly perhaps the absence of a experienced and dedicated central defensive midfielder how do you explain these errors yeah i mean i would say that it's more about having an organizer in there right who really you know is experienced and knows what they want and is capable of sort of commanding the other people around them and I think when we talk about having so many young players, right, it's not surprising that that is the missing element. And I contrasted a little bit with last season where we had Mark Conley come in. And I think we had an excellent defensive record for the first, you know, sort of eight, 10 games, certainly the, the first round of games. And I think you could see how much organizing he was doing in the players around him, right? I think even people who at that stage were, you know, sort of novice levels themselves, like Nathan Shepard and that kind of thing, he was really like sort of directing them and Lewis McCarry and telling them like, here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to be. And I think we're missing that kind of figure in there. I think even when we've got Andy Boyle, um, who obviously has like much more experience, I don't think he's quite that vocal in his organization of other people. And I think, you know, again, that's a little bit what we're missing. I also think, you know, as you describe by saying like Gary Deegan is the kind of no nonsense, you know, passer who might fit in that instant defensive shields for quite well. I think almost everybody who's played in the central defensive midfield position for Dundalk has been asked to do more in terms of like constructive play and passing the ball than they are being asked to do in terms of like breaking up the play. And I think as a result, right, we're seeing time and time again, somebody getting caught, you know, 30 or 40 yards from goal in possession and then, you know, a chance as the, the opposition sort of turn it over and are breaking at our defense instead. And I think, it's it's not just individual errors, right? I think these are sort of slightly systematic things or you know, sort of features of the, the personnel that we have available. In particular, like I say, that back four was caught a lot last night being exceptionally flat. And I think we've seen that in a couple of other games as well, right? Where it really just, no nobody's either going to the man with the ball or going with the runner, right? Normally you get in a central defensive partnership, like one person going short to try and compete and the other person covering in behind. And instead, like everybody's caught in no man's land, right? I think that's a bit of a tactical thing too. And so the good news is I think like that stuff is relatively easy to work on, right? You can just coach that stuff and you can get people in training to practice it, you know, over and over again, and it will get better. The personnel thing, right, I think is a bit more difficult, right? You've got to go out and find a particular personality that you're looking for. And I think, you know, that's that's a little bit harder to combine with all of the other attributes that you want at the same time. Now, I will say that there's a couple of things that I think we can see week by week are improving, right? I think people mentioned Archie Davies already, right? I think Archie Davies was probably my man of the match last night. Uh, I thought he was exceptional. His work rate, you know, uh, 
problems that he caused down the, the right-hand side, I think were fantastic and culminated in the third goal, right, which I think was almost all down to him, like really exceptional play. And so I think he was really great. But I think also the sort of general um, fitness and endurance levels of the squad is going up week by week. So in the first couple of weeks, we could see people like Ryan Tullock, right, 60 minutes max, and then he was done. And in the past two games, he's played the 90 uh, against Shells, right? He's still in that composure sort of 80 minutes into the game instead of like blasting one at the target, you know, sort of curling it into the corner instead. And last night as well, you know, you could see that he was still running and running and had that engine, you know, uh, when we got into injury time and stuff like that. And so I, I think you can see things, you know, sort of happening as these players are maturing, right? They're getting that bit of experience. They're getting their fitness levels up. They're getting used to playing like 90 minutes of first team football. And so like changes are happening. But, you know, there's still plenty of work to do. Yeah, definitely. And it, it is funny because given the... I, I would agree with all that. And given the fact that the second half was this almost catastrophic defensive collapse, uh, I thought Leahy was really impressive as well. Um, and Benson, you know, being played, you know, out there. But I would say that in a way that maybe exactly might explain why, for instance, let's face it, okay, again, we don't like to criticise or focus on players, but Muller was uh, at the heart of, you know, or, you know, somewhat responsible in one case and definitely responsible for for both draw the goals. But that was a completely, again, a makeshift uh, defence, a new lineup. So these, you said, how do we account for these moments of madness or these individual errors? Well, one thing could be that, if you're sending out a different defense each week and positionally, you know, that confidence can't build up. I said, we don't have a, you know, a really commanding player in front of the back four. You've got players playing with a different center back partner, you know, each week you've got these different combinations. So that has to have an effect on players, individual, um, you know, positioning and confidence and stuff like that. What, I mean, definitely, I think the point about some, for instance, Mark Connolly, because we saw it from the very first game he played for us, is that how vocal he was, how commanding he was, and how organisational he was. We're missing that. To be missing someone of Andy Boyle's stature is a huge thing. To have Robbie Benson and Dara Lee being played out of position, it's, it is cell tape together stuff. So that may go some way to explaining why, you, you know, this, this, you know, they, they're so porous. Um, because it is, it's quite ramshackle and it's kind of like, you know, keeping the wings of a plane cell taped on before you can land and refuel and get it refixed to, you know, to get us to a position then where you can send out, you know, uh, your preferred seasoned playing week in, week out, back five. Because um, again, I thought, I thought Davies was excellent. I thought Benson and Leahy, Given you know, given given the job they had to do, were really good, and it really was down to, you know, individual errors, and we could put it down to lack of experience, which which provided those goals. We weren't really under the cosh, but we just sat back at crucial moments and said, "Here is a path to goal," which Dundalk over the last two seasons, I would say, have a habit of doing. Well, season and a half since a bit summer last year, coincidentally with the with, when Mark Connolly left. We, we, we have a habit of shooting ourselves in the foot with these goals. Um, so, if again, like if there's positives to be brought from this, is that the win, that vital win, which had to come, otherwise I think today's podcast would have been a very different conversation. Uh, and we, we that conversation is still valid in some ways, but the win is a platform for other things, but it will have to coincide with getting players back. Um, like, Andy Boyle, you know, you just hope and pray for his return as soon as possible. Um, because we've seen, for instance, Pat Hoban's return has immediately had an effect going forward. Um, and you'd be looking then for, you know, um, Sloggett and Kelly, uh, nothing. But defensively then, uh, Boyle definitely. Um, and as you said, to try and sort maybe that central midfield role, because that is an active part of all this. As you said, uh, Ken, that, you know, um, if there is a kind of an absence in that or the defenders are being asked to play it out uh, or maybe that. And we've seen when 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 we do that, we sometimes load up the gun and shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, so 
personnel is a big, big, big issue. And it's going to have to be solved via, well, obviously, hopefully, players returning as soon as possible to fix those issues. And then, you know, a conversation looming is this, this squad is not currently fit for purpose. And we have the looming specter of Europe. So um, uh, definitely, definitely, I think last night for all the elation and heroics, really, really exposed that personal problem. I suppose not only a game, but an entire era can turn on one of those injury time winners. You might cast your mind back to Vinnie Perth's first full season in charge when we had a a series of injuries and a bad run. And there was a very, very subdued performance against Bohemians that was petering out and looked like it would finish in a draw. And I think it was a very, very late uh, Daniel Kelly run um, provoked a tackle, which led to a penalty, which led to a last minute winner. And that sort of changed the mood very much from a, we're not quite what we were last season to basically a, a platform to go on and really make a challenge and eventually turn the season around. So I'd never underestimate the impact of what John Martin did last night with that injury time winner in that, as you say, I think if we wake up this morning and you've blown a two goal lead against 10 men, all sorts of questions would be asked in a lot more the mood would be a lot darker. Um, I think all sorts of questions would be asked. I think John Martin has kind of transformed that mood. But games come thick and fast. We play bottom of the table, UCD next. I think if we get a win there, and I'm not going to say we will, but it's the bottom team. They did all right against Bohemians last night, pegged them back. We don't underestimate UCD anymore after recent experiences. But if you were to get Six points out of this weekend, the table looks a lot better. You're now on the heels of those teams chasing Europe. And we also have a few winnable games coming up. It's Sligo, which could be a tough challenge, but Sligo are below us in the table. And we're also then playing Cork City at home. And surely we have amends to make for that rather, you know, um, bad underperformance down in Cork. I think a lot will a lot will be told in the next week or two about whether we're on an upward trajectory. Everybody will feel that. We're not quite Euro ready. Uh, that whoever we face, we will need to be more fluid. We will, and of course, you know that uh, central defensive midfield role. I suppose a big question is: Are we going to have to look for somebody to come in from outside to make that their own? The other permutations there is: We saw um, Paul Doyle returning from injury and getting some minutes. I think Martin probably you might believe that he is the best fit for that position as regards the way he affects the tempo of of play and the way his passing brings a certain cohesion to the midfield. And I think he he is like some of the other guys who have been in there, maybe even like Conor Malley was. Going forward, he's quite composed. He's quite constructive. But he's not quite a Roy Keane-style or Chris Shields-style tough-tackling ball winner. Person in the squad who probably most matches that profile is Greg Sloggett, yet he's rarely played in that central defensive midfield role. So perhaps the answer is that Skip is just going to stick with what he seems to believe in, which is that midfield role is for a constructive player rather than some traditional defensive block uh, that helps out the, the defence. Or maybe maybe we'll see somebody brought in in the transfer window prior to Europe just to actually bolster that position. Yeah, I think when everybody's fit, there are quite a lot of numbers in that position, right? You know, Doyle, Sluggett, um, uh, Alfie Lewis. I'm trying to think whether anybody else has uh, you know applied their trade there. Like sometimes even Robbie Benson has played that deep, and I think we might not have always considered Robbie to be you know the sort of uh, aggressive ball winner. But over the past few weeks, if anybody has shown that they have, you know, a certain ability to, you know, get around the pitch and throw themselves into tackles, uh, I think Robbie Benson is, you know, uh, displaying a lot of that at the moment. So uh, I think even he could play there. And like I say, if, you know, I've always said that if Dunlop have a fully fit first 11 at the moment, I think we're going to be a completely different team. And I think there was a huge amount of quality there that could, you know, even challenge, I think, the, the top two or three in the table. Um, but the problem is, like, we are a long way from having everybody fit. Uh, that seems like a million miles away at the moment. And as various people have said, it feels like we're trying to, like, sellotape the team together at the moment in the hope that, you know, we will be able to put out 11 fit players uh, who have at least some match experience. So um, 
I don't know, like maybe by the time Europe rolls around, things will look a little bit rosier, but equally, maybe the injury problems will keep coming. Just on the question of how much risks a defender should take, we know that there is often a a noticeable nervousness whenever somebody in the back four attempts to do anything more elaborate than maybe a safe launch down the channel. I think we all savour the era whereby we had a very constructive and adventurous defence where Dane Massey was more often found on the opposition's 18-yard line than our own. And likewise, Sean Gannon sort of redefined what a right back can be in the League of Ireland because he was so often advanced. Like individual errors here, like you mentioned Hayden Muller, I'd like to defend Hayden. I think generally, consistently, he's been one of our consistent defenders. I think he's really promising and did have a couple of human errors um, last night. But they were probably, I know that the the Hail Mary is a little bit of a tricky one to explain. Um, He was trying to take a touch and do the matador thing of sending the forward one way and then having an open area to play into the defence constructively for you know, it always looks very, very obvious if a defender gets caught in possession that he shouldn't have been caught in possession, but yet it's the risk of playing out from the back. In the name of sort of playing constructive, adventurous, European-ready football, are you willing as a fan to endure the odd slip-up and maybe even the odd concession of a goal if we continue to play that more adventurous, constructive way out from the back? And I'm thinking of Wasiri Williams's return to the team, perhaps, when now that his suspension is up, he's probably the most prominent proponent of that, maybe higher risk, playing it out from the back, short passing. Is that something you're willing to sort of um, to, to, to see, even though it's perhaps more risky? Well, an amazing thing is that despite being a Dundalk fan and the last few weeks have not been fun, I kind of, I really admire Skip's, uh, you know, sticking to his own, uh, you know, beating to the to the to the beat of his own, uh, marching to the beat of his own drum, and it can be a bit frustrating at times. But I do kind of appreciate the fact that he he clearly does have a way he wants to do things. Um, and again, I I would say as well, I think I think this season, I mean, I, I would be a big fan of Muller, and I think definitely there is you know uh, you know a huge amount of potential. Same with Siri Williams, and Williams himself has had individual mistakes in, in games. Um, but the, the youth and experience, I de- yeah, I would say has to be factored in. And one thing I would say about the, the realism of this Dundalk team, and it's not to make excuses or anything, but we are working off uh, somewhat limited resources comparatively to some of the teams around us. And, now, and listen, we're not paupers either. Uh, but at the same time, we are definitely working on a restricted budget. So you always have to put everything in the context of that reality. And I'm okay with that restricted budget because we have to be realistic about the, the the current aims of the clubs and the resources that the owners have at their disposal to put into the club. I think we now know the situation, which is we don't have sugar daddies, but we have survived and we've we've gotten rid of the yoke of the previous owners. But in that context, Skip works with a certain budget. So youth and more inexperienced players have to be part of the mix. So that has to be part of our expectation that, you know, you t- somewhat take a gamble and it's not a mad gamble and he's they've clearly done their homework because I think almost everyone has come in has definitely impressed but there is this mix of youth uh, and lack of first first team game experience that you know they they have to be blooded and they're being blooded live in front of us and sometimes it is bloody Um, but I think that's also part of it not just the style of play but the fact is if we do want to build a new team and I, I know and we'll get to the comments from uh, from Twitter in a bit, but there was a comment about still possibly coasting off the golden era, and that era is fading out and transitioning up. So, if we, if we are to build a new golden era, and why shouldn't we dream of that? It does require what our current now Stephen Kenny's thing was looking around for the kind of the also rans or the, the the has beens of the League of Ireland and finding gems in there, but. Skip and his team are clearly seeing players, especially over uh, in, in the United Kingdom, that they see potential in. And it's going to be a little bit rocky. But I would hate for, to go back to your original question, I would hate for a reactionary, then let's just go back to an extremely, you know, 
uh, droll type of defensive or negative football that grinds out results. We've seen some other teams do that. I'm not going to name any names. but And it's been effective, I would say. If you look at the league table, it's be, it can be very effective. But you know what? The roller coaster uh, is maybe part and parcel of this season because we are building something new. And, you know, uh, as they say, if you want to make an omelette, you have to break some eggs. So some eggs are going to have to be broken. Might be a good point to turn to Twitter at this stage to see what the mood was after last night's result. Uh, we asked for a reaction to last night's game, which we described as a roller coaster of drama. Uh, Dundalk FC Sydney said, We move on, but anything less than three points against UCD, and we forget, we can forget about anything other than trying to avoid relegation. Kevin Mullen said, It was like we stopped playing after the red card. That said, it's an absolutely massive result and a great way to win. Need to follow it up at three points against UCD Monday and we might start to get a bit of confidence. Uh, Huben makes such a difference, and Boyle missed badly. Daniel Saxton said, a long, time, a long time since I've thought this, but we have a couple of players who either don't care about playing for us or don't have the right attitude to play the game. They weren't howlers. They were punished for laziness. Paul Carling came in and said, two weeks running, we struggle and get outplayed by 10 men. Something about our mentality is very fragile, and although we won, it just papers over some worrying cracks. Going two up, confidence was flowing and we should have pushed on. Need big improvements. Pressure off, but not far away. Rory Gilson said, rudderless at times and clearly lacking a real presence in the middle. Still very reliant on Hoban, Benson, Ward, Boyle, etc. Davies was excellent, though, and has a great attitude. Uh, a few more could do with having a look at him for his drive and passion. Could and should be a huge win. Uh, Giordano uh, Pantosti said, I'm relieved it's over. Dioriel Express says, still relying on players we signed eight, ten years ago. What are we going to do when that golden generation finally stopped playing outside of appointing to positions of power in the club? Dan Reed said, draw the first goal was a foul all day long. Pity the linesman and ref couldn't keep up with play. Uh, Albert Isern said, Dundalk should never have been in that position after the red card with the game dominated, but will always take a much much needed late Louth Derby win. Another must win on Monday and hopefully some momentum to build into. Still loads to improve on. Michael Shine said second half performance was very poor. Invited drugs to gain possession. No slog at Doyle and the gaps were everywhere really. Not even sure we deserved to win, but we did. Move on. Three more points versus UCD and make it a great bank holiday weekend. Shane Dillon said the result paints over the blatantly obvious cracks. Going to be another hammering on the cards soon if play is like that against a better team. Paul said uh, four words, Gartland, Hoare, Cleary, Boyle. Pete C. Fisher said, we have been self-destructive at times this season and tonight was a prime example. Great to rescue the win and see John Martin scoring. And James finally says, the quicker Boyle is back, the better. So an interesting selection of various different emotions there. I think most people were rattled by that period in the game where I think the most disconcerting moments were after we've allowed Drogheda back in and we've got that, we've blown that 2-0 lead. There is a period which began to look very like the Shells game where we had lots of possession, but we moved it across too slowly. We saw the centre half and uh, Conor Malley particularly picking up the ball. Every time it seemed to work its way to Tullock on the left, he seemed to have, it seemed to have taken so long to get there that he had little option but to put it back to Leahy. And we just sort of recycled it very, very leisurely. And that really is how most of the second half uh, unfolded. So that sort of clouded over what had been a really good first half performance. And I think most of the most of the anxious or negative comments there um, are probably looking at that period of the second half. Notably, when we upped the tempo, and I think Archie Davis particularly is the one who did most as an individual, but perhaps Keith Ward also um, lending a hand here of upping the tempo and making Drahada try and cover those gaps more quickly. That's where our goal came from in the final moments. Now, maybe that sort of composed approach of maintaining possession and hoping a chance will come is, is part of the plan. But that lack of tempo that we had against Shelburne was worrying and the lack of tempo last night I suppose was us at our at our weakest apart from the concession of those two goals I think you know getting a quicker movement of the ball when we are dominating possession which we often can be in these games is probably a key to um 
to to better performances and better results. And I do think it's a good point to say that you know the rest of the team can look at the energy that Archie Davis mustered in those latter stages, and that can be a good model for maybe how we can get a little bit more out of these games, as well as avoiding those catastrophic errors that give up goals so easily because we have begun to do that a couple of times this season. We have not really required teams to work very hard to score against us. So with all that being said, and I think one of our tweeters sort of uh, implied that we should have three points from Belfield. Uh, With all that being said, what would your mood be going into the game on Monday? Well, as you said, uh, Ken, you see the R bottom. And this is, you know, they have caused us problems. And uh, last season, we all know about the nightmares things. But they are bottom, and teams are usually bottom for a reason. Now, we've spoken before on this podcast about how they, you know, are generally well-organized and stuff like this. I don't think there are any, you know, you used the phrase earlier, Rod, there are some winnable games coming up. I That phrase no longer has any meaning, winnable games, when it comes to Dundalk FC. Um, but I would say that UCD are bottom for a reason. And we are coming off the back of a, must have been, if it, if it was for the fans, for the players, a really, really, you know, uplifting last minute derby winner. You know, that energy must, you know, be uh, be kind of uh, carried forward. And we've got Pat Hoban to start, not to constantly lay too much onto one player, but if Pat Hoban is up and firing and he's five goals off the record and you put him out against the bottom team, you've, you've got the bits for another, for, you know, for, for a win. Uh, I would take it as ugly and disgusting as to come. I would take the most boring game in history. I don't care. I would take a 1-0 with a Pat Hoban goal to get some closer to the record and nothing else happening. I will sit in Belfield and watch the clouds go by if it means three points. Because I really do think, if you look at the table, and we've talked as well about how, you know, bows are significantly ahead and then you've got the two familiar chasing pack behind them. But the table is so tight that, I mean, three points really changes things. And this a bank holiday double game weekend can really change fortunes. And as you said, it can really, you know, this is not a prediction or saying anything here because it'll blow up in our face probably next Friday or next Saturday. But two wins, as you said, like as we saw a few years ago, can really change momentum on stuff and buy us a bit of breathing space to get players back. So, um, winnable is a a phrase that no longer has any meaning but I I would definitely think that we're a lot more confident yeah well I think anybody who watched us at Belfield last year uh, probably has lingering PTSD uh, that is going to make it hard to you know trot up to Belfield on Monday evening uh, in a sort of positive mood but at the same time I, I like I really hope there's a big crowd uh, being a bank holiday and this kind of thing, because I think sometimes when you go to Belfield and don't don't play particularly well, like you sit there in the sort of polite surroundings uh, and you think to yourself, what am I doing here? Like we're just watching like 22 fellas having a kick about, uh, you know, it's not a sort of, it's often not a passionate or, you know, sort of uh, vocal sort of atmosphere. So I'm hoping in the bank holiday that there will be a decent crowd and it's a game that's on like uh, early evening. So you would hope that a fair crowd of people can travel from the dock because if there's a big boisterous crowd and we get a bit of atmosphere going, right, I think that will help the team. But, you know, I think it will also, you know, sort of make it a, a worthwhile trip for the fans as well. Um, I think otherwise it feels a bit like, you know, sort of one of those uh, cricket exercises where you can bring your tea and sandwiches, you know, and sort of uh, politely watch a couple of people uh, run around the field. Yeah, I think it's one of those games that like, after I know we all want we all want the three points, uh, not to be doom and gloom about it, but like after you know that the ninety four the ninety first minute you know the snatching the the derby win last night, uh, we need to be taking that momentum into into Monday night. I'm not suggesting that UCD are a pushover or that you know that we're going to beat them or anything, but I really think that you know for not only for momentum but the, the I suppose the psychology of the group. Um, this is a huge game. This is like, you know, they should be able to bring in that that win into it. Like, 
I fear like a loss or another kind of, you know, a draw yet again hampers that what we're trying to do, which is, you know, build some form of momentum, get players back. I think it's, I, I, I think it's a must win game guys. I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those for, for the sake of the, I think that if we draw it or lose it, it's, you can, you can bank on this being a real, you know, start stutter season of like, you know, win, lose, draw, beat teams not expected to beat, lose against teams that were supposed to beat. And I think, and that's what my fear would be. I mean, I think it's, it's I think it that, you know, to get that momentum with the, with the league table being so tight, we need to, you know, to show a little bit of, you know, push on and, and, and win the game. But saying that, you know, who knows what'll happen, but I would take an absolute dire affair on Monday night <laughs> And a one 0 win because that I, I really think that the team need that Stevie needs it. I think that they need it as a group to be able to bounce into into this game, take six points out of the weekend, um, and and, and kick on. Well, the good news is, and we won't make any predictions, but the trajectory of the team is upwards. We had a series of bad defeats, we had a couple of draws, and now we have the win, and we'll all be hoping that we can continue that trend. And um, let's hope, fingers crossed, that in Belfield we we are able to do that. I suppose that's it for this week. We'll be back to talk after the UCD game. I'd like to thank all the contributors who messaged us on Twitter, joined in the conversation, and I'd like to thank the contributors to the show, Rory Murphy, Damian Kenny, and Martin Mullen. And we'll be back to talk to you again for another episode after the UCD game. Let's hear for the man. This ain't the face of 